0: So what does chivalry and being a gentleman mean to each of you? And why is it important? I think,
1: I think that maybe the reason why it's less discussed now is um, because there's a kind of like potentially tainted with like sexism. So I think that's part of the reasons why people are now uh, less comfortable talking about it because people are unsure of whether or how it would be perceived. I think that, um, I actually think that historically it was something that was very much spoken about and encouraged, I I would say, um, to be, um, you know, to, to open the door for someone, to hold the door for them, to let someone go before you, all that kind of stuff is, I guess when I was growing up, I always just perceived it as like little acts of kindness that you can do for someone that is generally, like immediately reciprocated with a thank you, which is a weed, you know, feels feel good, you've done, done someone a favor. So like for me, that's where it comes from. Um, but I remember the first time someone said to me when I just held the door for them um, and let them go first is that like, you don't need to do that for me. Um, I remember the first time a woman said that to me. And I was going like, oh, well, you know, my first reaction was, well, I know I don't have to do it for you, I don't have to do it for anyone. But I just thought that would be a pleasant to do, you know, I'm capable of holding the door, you know, it's so I think that it wasn't given so much. Uh, I think when you are able to uh, stop it exclusive to one gender, then it just becomes like a mannerism where you're just being courteous and polite. And as long as it's not gendered, then I think it's a great thing. that we should all encourage ourselves to just be a little more chivalrous to each other and, and, and more polite. Um, but I think that when I think when you do ex- make it exclusive to one gender that, 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 that there is a taint of sexism in that um and i think that that's that i think that that's whether it's intentional or not i think this is the big challenge at the moment as of uh, intentionality doesn't mean that it's that that's not your unconscious bias still coming through and i think that's the thing that's hard to, to grapple with because when you first hear it you have a very kind of visceral reaction no one likes to be called sexist um but I think that it's good to see things in a, in a broader context.
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, one of the issues with that is that the, the, the person that calls you out and opening the door for them doesn't see you open the door for everybody that, you know, in all situations, do they? So it can go a bit wrong there as well. And um, I suppose when I think of chivalry, I think of reading books about um, Arthur, and the knights of the round table when I was a kid. It was always, it was always to do with knights fighting or displaying their prowess to impress the ladies. Um, and um, like Bruce's outline, you know, it, it, it that historic use of it does skew it in one direction and, and make it a bit weird because... When I was thinking about this, you know, thinking about how we display this, that idea of knights rescuing people, or, or, you know, in fairy stories, princesses needing rescued, it is all really uncomfortable today. Um, It's from a different time. And one of the other confusing things, I suppose, about it nowadays is, some people, Some women still actually want to be rescued, whether that 's good for them or not is another matter. but you know you, you can 't ever know who's going to want it and who doesn't um, and um, if you don 't really get the dynamics of, of personal responsibility, then you can be in for a shock when you do some of these things but yeah I mean that that predominantly. Um, old-fashioned view I suppose of men being protectors and providers and you know the person that sort things out uh, on behalf of women and children there is a lot of good in it and there's a lot of purpose that that gives men who otherwise don't have purpose the the, the problem I suppose is that it does cause or it, or it if you overstep the boundaries of, of personal responsibility, then that's when it starts to go wrong. Um, and also that, as we've talked about before in these conversations, gives a, an added pressure on men to never be weak. You know, to never be able to say, I'm sorry, I can't provide you, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do this at the moment without feeling like a failure. So I think really growing up as young men, we, we do tend to notice when there are good deeds done that you might put under this sort of heading of chivalry, but I don't think we think about them and I don't think we define them and I don't think we really discuss them amongst each other. I certainly don't. Um, Although I do discuss behaviour with my friends and about how they treat, you know, their, their families. But chivalry, yeah, I think unless you were sat watching a film about Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, you might never think of the word.
3: In my case, it's something similar to you, Tim. It's old school thinking, growing up with Disney movies and how things were presented, uh, that. Uh, a man is supposed to be chivalrous towards a woman and like in today's world that's what I would say happens when I open the door for my girlfriend and um out of 100 times I open the door 100 times I'm letting her through first and I'm doing this automatically despite the fact that she's 100% capable of opening the door for herself she's an independent woman and uh I wouldn't have to do that. It's something that's ingrained in my brain through those images from the past, from the childhood. However, um, whatever people are saying about sexism and, and if it's right or wrong, in my personal opinion, I don't think doing those good deeds, like you said, Bruce, is... Is anything wrong, even if it's like I can imagine that somebody can might be reading something into such innocent gesture as opening the door or doing something for somebody else, but at the same time, it's a good thing. Like I I, I for example, personally don't understand why people have kind of touched this this topic as a like something negative. Um it's usually to to me, okay. Maybe there are some 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 men who kind of pressure pressure like a woman to to go first, and then there's this woman who des, decides not to. But on the other hand, I think this is such a nice gesture. I, I don't understand why people would you know find anything negative in it. Um, it's maybe today in this conversation, I will discover, maybe you open, will open my mind a little bit, but from where I'm standing, it's a nice thing to do. And it's just an example of the opening the door, but there's several things that we can do for someone and particularly for women, but for men too, like simple things, nice gestures. I don't see anything negative in it.
2: I mean, just a I
1: I suppose like play devil's advocate is the, um, is it's like, I suppose it's a matter of, of perspective and experience. So if someone feels as though that they are constantly, their whole like identity is undermined regularly by people to the point that they don't feel like they're they're capable. And so there's an element of this idea of, um, it is a form of, of dominance is to, to, to do that. And I think that that's potentially where people have like an issue with it is just like it's just another form of, of male dominance over the situation. Um, I personally feel like like if you um if you do it for everybody, then it's it is still um there there is still a dominance in it because dominance is is sometimes releasing doing a gesture for someone um like opening the door or being chivalrous or being polite. Like a lot of these things can really relate back to like leadership styles, which is letting people speak, letting people go first, stepping back, not being, you know, kind of allowing people to, um, you know, you go after them type, type of thing. So I think that all those things are in, interwoven. But I also think that, you know, Tim, you made a very good point, which is that um, there are lots of people out there who love that. And, and there's lots of women out there who like that. And there's lots of, of Men that like it, and there's men that don't like it. Women that don't like it. I think there is an element of that. Um, it's not about enforcing your own way upon everybody. You know, if someone said to me, you know, you don't need to hold the door for me, I actually find it patronising. Okay, I didn't mean it to be patronising, but I'll not do it again. You know, if it's an issue, you know, because because it wasn't it wasn't a massive gesture in the first place, um, and so I'm ha- I'm happy just to let let it go. Um, so I think it's just about being. Um, Considerate of um, of each individual that we're with, but um, I, I, I do think that chivalry can still be used as a, and it is used in a, by by leaders to be to have a certain element of dominance
3: i agree with that i've seen a documentary about body language where presidents of different countries would kind of show their dominance by uh, letting uh, the first uh, the the other president go through the door first and then tapping them on the back and that shows them like there's like a manipulation tactic going on there the alpha male domination politics and stuff like that i can understand that uh, there's Things like this, but in everyday life in everyday you know situations, don't you think that the person I understand the point of view of the person that feels that they are not really feeling capable of or, or they just they don't feel comfortable with, when someone opens the door for them? I, I understand that, but making an issue out of it um, making an issue out of it is maybe sometimes the, the issue itself. It's not like making a big deal out of it could be an issue in it itself, not the gesture.
1: I suppose it's how you respond that determines whether it becomes a big deal or not.
3: Okay.
1: Um, so them saying to you, oh, you don't need to do that for me. It's how, if, you know, if, if, if I was to perceive that as an attack on, on my character, then that would be the thing that made it a big deal rather than them just letting me know that, you know, I think that, you know, but I, but I totally hear what you're saying. It's, it's difficult in, in real life. You know, it's easy to discuss it in the abstract. It's difficult in real life when sometimes you have gone out your way to be extra polite and, you know, you're not sure how that's going to be perceived or, um, or it's not perceived well. You know, how, how you actually respond in the moment is much, is much harder. I think personally that
3: also what what is important in that moment is intentions and, and that person i think also kind of have, has a chance to read your intentions because generally i think the intention there is to be nice and polite and do something good for a person rather than dominating but again it's it's a topic that's why we're talking i think that's why we have to talk about this
2: yeah and in in that situation alan i suppose that's where the the wider historical experience comes in isn't it because if somebody if somebody is fed up of having to you know um assume that you have good intentions if they have a history of people not having good intentions and, and pressure on them to act in certain ways or oppression from family or partners or whoever then you know an easy outlet that says you know i don't think men should do that for me it is i suppose a bit like brief says you know it's, it's does it matter we say sorry didn't mean any harm won't do it again and move on because you just don't know where people have come from in their journey um, and although I, I love to set up situations where we say, right, and, and especially in group situations and facilitated work that we do, I always try to remember to say, right, let's, you know, for our time together, let's assign to people that they have good intentions in this encounter. But with strangers, you can't do that because there's no agreement. There's no, there's no contract between you and a stranger about whether you open doors or not until it's been set up. So um, it's kind of tricky. Um, but what I do find lovely about this, whenever we talk about male manners or chivalry, it always comes back to the door opening thing. And, and realistically, you either do it, or if people don't hold the door for you, you kind of think, why didn't you just do it? That's rude. Um, and if they do do it, it's nice, but, but that's, from a, you know, that's from a white male perspective um but the the wider picture for me looking back at those stories of of knighthood and and some of the positives that came out but again with the possibility of them going wrong are things like valor and honor and how they are interpreted um because honor is a lovely thing you know to to stick by a code that you have agreed with somebody and to be a person who does what they say they're going to do and goes out of their way to make sure they uphold the things that they've promised is is a lovely set of qualities um but when you think about around the world how men have overstepped the mark in that i mean you know again we see this a lot in popular culture but you also see if you look at studies of, of latin american men where it's particularly there's a particularly strong feeling of my honor must be defended causes all sorts of problems with violence and and you know spirals of aggression that if somebody's offended they have to be seen to avenge their honor um and you know you might think well you know that's just in stories about drug cartels and gangsters but it's not when we look at the lives of, of young latin american men in south america and in you know the southern states of um, north america that's part of their daily life and their peer group won't allow them to let things go because bruce i mean you, you described the situation there haven't you, where, our reaction can be, okay, then I'll just not do that again, um, and things subside and you um, the, the tension goes out of the situation. But if you are so bound by the system of if my honour is slighted, I'm a, I'm a failure if I don't put that right. Mm. It just the sky's the limit in terms of violence, and that's why prisons the world over are full of very regretful men. And, and some men who don't regret it at all, I suppose. But um, mm. yeah, the, the, the potential for this code of chivalry or honor or valor can be such a cause of problems as well as such a driver for, mm. for positive things. It's complicated. No wonder we don't talk about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and actually, you know, Tim, I think that the kind of things you're describing there, I think are also really prevalent, not to the same, Degree, perhaps, um, definitely not. But in uh, in lots of like male social groups, anyway, is yeah. the idea, uh, particularly in in public, the, you know, I think the idea of being slighted or embarrassed or um, or whatever it might be, is, is is high pressure and pressure to respond in a particular way. I think we've all got. I think there isn't that's a big thing, and it's how we respond often is based on why we think the group expects us to respond rather than what we actually want to do ourselves and I think that's it's so true is that it becomes this pressure to behave in a particular way which is like customary expected rather than what actually you know feels natural or, or right to do in that situation um and I think that, that I don't I have no idea what you when, when you're faced with with that type of situation but um I think when you are able to be I think being um chivalrous with people can actually be even when you're in that pressured situation, it can be an opportunity to be polite and friendly to people, even though it's the, the pressured situation. Um, and I think that we all kind of, yeah, we all are faced in a situation sometimes when we, how we want to respond is not how the group encourages us to respond. Um, I, I suppose the only thing you can do is, is try to find your allies within a group that, that maybe feel the same way as you.
2: Yeah, certainly as I've got, well, no, I was gonna say as I've got older, my, my circle of friends has weeded out people who feel honor bound to be macho or, you know, talk about other people in a way that, I'll give you a good example. Um, I was thinking, while you were talking, Bruce, about a situation, I, I did a big piece of work in the prisons in Scotland, particularly around sexual health and sexual health education. And the way that men talk about their sons and their daughters very differently, Mm. I think, you know, comes into this, because sons can pretty much do anything as far as sexual health goes. And there's a bit of that sort of, hey, my son's a lad, um, goes on for some people. But those same people who encourage their boys to be, sowing their oats, the way that they talked about protecting their daughters and what they would do to anybody that got their daughter pregnant or, you know, messed them about. Um, it, it's, you know, it, that feeling is prevalent here. You know, like you say, it's across all sorts of societies as well as just the ones where it's more in your face and more violent, but, um, but yeah, I, just, you know, I think, one of the balances to get right in this isn't it is to be kind to be generous but also to be assertive mm. so and, and getting the idea of being assertive right of, of you know knowing that you have rights and knowing that other people do too and you want to balance those between you is where this comes in and, and i think the last time when we spoke i talked about t- t- i'm always banging on about can we please educate our children to be assertive um, boys as well as girls um, so that we get this stuff right and, and and can be kind and polite and helpful with other people without it being seen as something that's unusual.
0: So how do you foresee normalizing this concept of chivalry or gentlemanliness? Um, how do you normalize manners that have Due to media and societal norms, become less than desirable.
2: I think it's the usual thing, isn't it? That we try and take the positives out of it and um, adapt our behaviour to jettison anything that is problematic. Because you're not really losing anything in that. You know, if you you lose behaviour that can be harmful to other people, you haven't lost anything really because all you've done is stopped upsetting somebody. Um, So yeah, the the positives for me, strength of character, really necessary through life to get through challenges, resilience, this idea that I can cope with challenge, Um, keeping your word, being fair, having this sense of justice, all, all these really positive things that can come out of it—that everybody's a winner. You know, if we all act in this way, everybody's a winner. And like, like Bruce said, you know, instead of thinking this is only a manly thing, it's a person thing. It's a human thing. So, yeah, by by. I mean that if you do all that stuff, you're not going to have any time for the rest of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so busy. <laughs> no. I think that, you know, Tim, what you were
1: saying there about um, the experience of how uh, fathers in particular talk about their sons and their daughters differently and just made me really think all the way back to the the kind of the origins of or how we use chivalry today and that idea of like, is it, why do they feel as though it's such a threat to them if their daughters are? as sexually active as their sons Uh, you know why is that why is all that such a threat to them as much as it is to their daughter like that must come back to the idea of reputation or honor and this idea that their their sons can behave as however they like but the idea if the daughter does something that's inappropriate that they'll be labeled and it's just I guess that all then links through into potential chivalrous actions which are actually rooted in feeling like they're less adequate or less able or require more protection Um, and i just think like what what a loss of opportunity you know to believe in your daughter in the same way that you you know or like have the trust in their decision making or their capability or their or their ability to handle it you know should they be in that situation Um, so, you know, I, th- I think that's maybe one of the things to think is that like chivalry is great when it's actually just compassion to everyone and it's not really about chivalry. It's just about, you know, everyone doing something for someone else, everyone doing a little bit for someone else and take it away from this idea of like a man ought to do something, you know, because I think that's the, that's you know where it comes down to. Is. And also, I think it has to be a lot on what you see around you as well because that has to dictate how you feel and respond to a lot of these situations based on the the other examples you see or how i'm, I'm constantly um, intrigued by the way that a lot of men respond based on other men not you know they don't actually act based on their own interest or even the interest of the of the potential uh, you know Another half, or whoever, um, a love interest isn't actually as big a motivator factor as other men, and I, I think how how do we break down that that idea that that's the only people you have to uh, seek approval from?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the, the route out of this is the same for most of routes out of typical masculine behaviour, and it's and it's to encourage and educate and support um, emotional intelligence. Read in the room, like you were saying. You know, read the current situation, think what you need to do, be self-aware, and and deliver on the, the the way you want to be as a person. And if we can, you know, if we can get that in the context, like you say, of being helpful and being kind in the world, then you you start to reduce working on expectations and, and work on what's needed between you and the person that you're interacting with, don't you? Um, uh, and I think it's a really interesting way to look at it that, you know, that code of chivalry is what you've just described. It's a way of acting based on what another group of men want you to do. Mm. Um, and, and the world's not in the same place anymore, is it? We've, we've got a lot of, of those codes, lot of those sets of rules are, are redundant because of our greater understanding that well I suppose that, that women are capable of things and they don't necessarily need protecting and um, I mean, it, it just sounds so outrageous to describe some of those those old-fashioned models of, of gender mm-hmm. because they're so silly they make no sense, but they do still go on. I mean, I'm working with somebody at the moment who's in a family situation where that is exactly what she's faced with. She's trying to make a way in the world and she's been quite forcibly, in an emotional sense, being held back from doing that because she's a girl. Um, so, although as ridiculous as it sounds to say people used to believe that women were property and they couldn't do things that men do, it's still there, um, which is really depressing. So also thinking about the, the term gentleman. So we use it, I think without a lot of thought these days. Um, and again, it, it conjures up different things to different people, but the, the roots of that phrase are to do with the landed gentry and and in Europe uh, nobility well France nobility comes from a French phrase Um, and again is this power of expectation of people from a certain background will act in a certain way so a gentleman was a, a fairly lowly rank of landed gentry but it distinguished you from other groups of men Um, and in particular it it distinguished you from from ordinary people who had to work for a living and get their hands dirty and were rough and ready Um, and were generally thought of as being of lower intelligence and not having manners or anything like that. Um, So again it's quite a loaded thing by gender, driven by class, driven by expectation. And it would be great to get rid of it, I think, you know, like, like we've pushed to lose to some degree, the, the, you know, calling women ladies because of the connotations around behaviour and uh, femininity uh, being of an an expected sort of set of ideal behaviours. Um, I'd, I'd be quite happy to never hear the word gentleman again but that's maybe some of my class war stuff coming through I think it's um,
1: I think when you when like that as well as you you then everything else I think is put into perspective as well that where we are today as a society our norms our is rooted in um, the origins of that are discriminatory to almost everyone, and so I think that, that, that that's the kind of place that we're in at the moment where we're trying to navigate through what are we appalled by now what, what represents an old model, or what can be transformed or renewed into something that we still use going forward that doesn't have to hold on to that same negative. Um, connotation. And it's a really, it's a complete minefield to navigate and, you know, to, to try and be, be on the right side of it is really, really difficult because um, there is no, how do you really justify something that is, uh, its origins are in um, something that's uh, so discriminatory. I think that um, if you could renew the term to be a gentle man, then then we could be on to something a little bit more and I think to be promoting that is, is a is to have more gentle men out there and that being a, a characteristic that is highly regarded um, and not seen as to be gentle is not to be weak of course um, but it 's to use your strength in whichever way you want it to be uh, used you know um, then actually I think that that's if we if, if tonight we can reclaim the <laughs> um, then I think that would be good because i I, I get the issue with it um his, you know the historical um, foundations of it make make everything a bit tricky now
3: so I don't know um any history that uh, Tim you just mentioned about um so I was kind of surprised by hearing those negative things about um, the gentleman um uh, definition, I would say um. Because for me, always being a gentleman immediately brought pictures of a gentle man, as you mentioned, um, Bruce. And uh, yeah, I was a little bit, you know, sitting just and listening and trying to formulate thoughts because I was kind of, you know, um, not quite sure what to what, what to make of it. Um, but I agree with you, Bruce, that we do need to have more gentle men people and and have this kind of definition working today um on the other hand um i i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm i'm, I'm oblivious to what's going on around me but i don't see like everyday uh people being so negative towards this topic or this um idea. Uh, But again, maybe it's because I don't know the connotations of, you know, the the history. Um, But generally, I I see it as a very positive topic, but maybe because I'm just not educated enough.
2: (laughs) No, I think it's about being educated. I think, you know, there's just, there's just historical links to things. And
3: again, there's, there's a lot of positive can come
2: out of the way, (laughs) the expectations that were on a gentleman in the past, there are a lot of positive qualities to it, just like there are when we talk about sugar free. And we don't want to lose those, just like in being a gentle person, you don't want to lose strength. Um, Because in a world that is very difficult, you need strength, you need strength in a lot of different ways, and you know one of the good things about being a man, I think is being able to be tough in the right circumstances and to you know and again, in the right circumstances, to enjoy you know I'm thinking about the game of rugby. all sport gets a bit weird when you involve men, but um, <laughs> It's, uh, but the the physical game of rugby, um, you know, getting knocked about a bit for a bit of fun, is actually really good. You know, kids love it, and um, you know, once you grow up, I think quite often, it, you know, we look we look down on some of that stuff, that physicality. Um, but yeah, I think one of the the positive and wonderful things about Manliness and and being male is enjoying some of that rough and tumble stuff. So you know, in the right situation, most things I think uh, can have a really positive um, outcome, positive intention, and and not be a problem. It's when we let them get out of hand, I suppose, and and you know, using strength to oppress others using strength to be violent against others, uh, it's not good. But, yeah, this the, the qualities of gentlemen in the past, manners, again, being true to your word, being considerate and thoughtful about people who are around you, all that stuff's really good. And all of that stuff makes life better for people who are in our families and in our working environment. So, yeah, I... I I don't disagree with you, Alan. I think most people, you know, like you to act that way. Um, mm. But I suppose all I was saying was that you know some of the baggage attached to these things is problematic if we don't think about it mm. and if we don't pull out the best of things and leave some of the more um, outdated things behind. We've mm. got to adapt. It's, it's almost like not adopting the whole. Character
1: of what it is to be a gentleman. You don't. We don't need to like adopt the whole the whole thing, you know. You, you can just pick and choose the bits that, that are that are positive, and it doesn't have to be that like that identity that that people take on. Because um, I, def- I, I do think that um, gentlemanliness um, can work as a really effective mask for otherwise really poor behaviour. Um, and that as long as you follow the kind of rules of gentlemen then you somehow should be forgiven for any other inappropriate behavior that goes on in the in-between points because you're ticking the boxes of i paid for dinner i open i bought them flowers i opened the door you know all that kind of stuff I'm, i'm going through the motions and actually um you know The experience of of being a a young person and having um, lots of young people who are going on dates and friends and people that we know. And some people having this expectation that the person they went on the date with should have had sex with them. And they didn't really understand what they did wrong. That was what they left feeling because they, they took them for dinner. They had a good time. They did all the things. And they were left not angry just confused. And I, I think that that's not an exclusive uh, experience for, for people, and I think that's part of the problem. Is this, what comes, what's the expectation that the man has with being a gentleman? What does he expect in return for being a gentleman? Um, and actually quite often, men don't have the best reactions when they don't so, you know, say buying someone a drink, you know, being a gentleman, someone says, I don't want a drink, You're offended because I've been a gentleman or I've held the door for your paid for dinner and people are not grateful. So I think it's also about unpacking the expectations that we have when we take on these seemingly pleasant and and, and nice characteristics is, you know, what's the expectation in return?
3: I can clearly see it. Like I understand the the pressure when somebody is buying a drink for the pure manipulation of it to get something in return um or ticking all those boxes like you said so i do agree with that 100 percent but at the same time i wouldn't get rid of it completely because i i see the other side where there are dates where people don't do anything chivalrous or gentlemanly on the dates um they just they just there's like emptiness, complete emptiness, zero manners, uh, zero uh, politeness, uh, the kind of rude, um, you know, cursing, going without any kind of limits, off limits completely, and there's no structure, there's nothing there. So I think the, the best thing is like with everything is the balance, so doing you know, having those good intentions, doing those polite things um, and doing your best. And at the same time, not being manipulative and using that to achieve uh, some kind of result to buy someone or make them do something because I did something. So I totally agree 100%, uh, but I wouldn't get rid of it completely because it would like, to me, it makes life empty. If you don't, do nice things to others not just women if you don't do things nice things to others life is empty it's like it's meaningless to me it's like the 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 relationships that we have there's nothing there you know that's in my opinion
0: what happens is it becomes void of connection if we're doing it with expectations Um, like Bruce you were talking about uh, that example of someone you know ticking the boxes for every single thing that they should have done under the auspices of being a gentleman and then not getting the expected reward at the end of the evening there there's something about that that could be unpacked some more um, if you if you all want to go there.
2: I suppose for me that's that's an example of of narcissism isn't it or, or the focus on themselves so i will do the things that i'm expected to do tick that's all about me i will expect x y and z in return that's all about me um, and there's no dynamic of consideration of empathy of interest in what another person wants because yeah i mean alan i totally agree if if you've got a situation where you want to be nice to somebody and you've thought about it and it's for them so you know i i probably more rarely than i should these days buy my wife a gift i don't do it because i have to i do it because i know she likes particular things and I will buy a gift that reflects that. So, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But th- that's very different from the situation that we're describing, which is whereby people are feeling they're expected to act in a certain way. They deliver that by ropes, And they then demand or seek payment almost for that. In various ways. Um, It's just selfish. So yeah, gift giving's got to be, it's got to be out of kindness, hasn't it? It's got to be out of generosity, it's got to be out of interest in another person. And they will feel to receive that gift. Um, And I think we could apply that to all the, the aspects of chivalry or aspects of gentlemanliness, that you have to be genuine and it can still go wrong, because you might misread a situation. And if it does go wrong, you do what Bruce said earlier. You say, oh, sorry, I got it wrong. I'll try not to do that in the future.
3: I've got a question. This will be directed to both of you, although I think, Bruce, because you have business experience, maybe you encountered something like this before. Um, So I tend to do this thing, and I've seen this, I learned this from somebody else, and I've seen this done by other people. Where you go for a meeting to a coffee shop or a lunch, business lunch, um, or any kind of you know um, situation where you invite someone in to do business with, have a meeting or whatever. You have a coffee, you have lunch, you have something to, um, that you consume together. And then one person is paying for the other person without expecting anything in return. Usually it's considered good business practice to, I, for example, pay pay for my client's coffee or pay for my client's lunch and stuff like that. Usually it's, I mean, not a hundred percent of the time, it's no uh, return. Nothing in return is expected from them. It's just, I don't know, would you call it courtesy, doing something nice for another person? Um, I don't know if that applies to the chivalry thing or gentlemanliness, but I have zero expectations. doesn't matter if it's a woman or if it's a man. Now, so you might have encountered this in your life. Somebody's done this to you. How would you, what are your thoughts on this, considering the topic? And also, if that happened to be a woman, and I did pay for her coffee or lunch, what in that situation if suddenly I would be attacked for doing that. Although that's something that I do all the time to anyone, doesn't matter the gender.
1: I would say a couple of things, I suppose. Um, What is that, like, yeah, so in a work situation, um, it happens both ways regularly, you know, like one person offers, other person offers. Um, Sometimes I think in my context, there is a, dynamic expectation on who might pay although there's never a kind of like you must pay type situation ever happening um but you know if you're meeting with a a giant corporate for example um it'd be lovely if they put it on their corporate credit card because then (laughs) the, the little startup's not paying for it um so there is that element of um of it's there sometimes um but then other times um you know i do like to do that for people who sometimes um you know I meet a lot of very very wealthy people a lot of the time, but I still offer to buy their coffee because it's a nice thing to do it's, I'm doing it because of the human that they are rather than the status of, of what they are and I think if you apply that again right the way across um, chivalry and and gentlemanness gentlemanly um, is the, then that, that, that then that all then it works. Um, I think that uh, being called out because my intention has been misinterpreted um, doesn't have to feel like an attack. It, it can just feel like, and actually, it's. I often feel the opposite. I just think they've misunderstood. <laughs> I project it straight back at them, um, and I just think it in my head, you know. But I, you know, I just think that, you know, oh, if they're offended, that oh, they've misunderstood. I don't feel like it's my responsibility to justify it all the time, though. Sometimes I just go like, okay, whatever. You know, I don't. I don't have to stand. Spend the next, uh, you know, ten minutes explaining to you why I'm not sexist and I'm I'm just being polite. I just, you know, can can roll past it. Um, I think that if if someone takes it really really personally, then you know I think as you said earlier, Tim, is you, you maybe think, oh well, what's, what's, what experience have they got in their life that's led them to have such a such a reaction to such a otherwise innocuous thing? Um, and I think that's just then being empathetic to say, okay, there's some, there's something more here. I'm not going to probe. I'm just going to accept it and and, and move on. Um, but I think it just comes back to because um, earlier, earlier as well, you know, the idea of expecting something um, is that transaction, very transactional relationships. Um, and I think we all try to get back to being just a, just more human with each other, just people, and just do things that are born out of you know natural kind of reactions to things, rather than trying to manufacture. And, and manipulate every situation to somehow benefit us when, when the reality is in my experience is that when you are genuinely good to people regularly without expectation, if you get that back in abundance, you don't, you don't need to manipulate it in any way, it just, it just starts coming forth. Um, and so I think if we all start trying to stop trying to <laughs> try too hard sometimes to, to do things and just just relax maybe.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that's a good way to approach it. That you know, kindness, kind just just makes things better. And sometimes you get it back. Sometimes you don't get it back. But that doesn't matter because you know, in the moment, it feels good. I think, and, and I, I can't quote this properly. But I'm sure I found a piece of research fairly recently that was talking about um, how kindness is very good for our mental health in terms of um, uh, manufacturing hormones that that help and and stuff in the brain, Um, whichever one it is in the brain, serotonin, I think it's that one, isn't it? But anyway, um, I'm going to give a sort of cod scientific. Uh, version of that because I can't remember it properly but yeah being kind is really good for you it helps with your mental health and quite often the other person that's on the other end of that you know will be so grateful even if they don't, don't tell you it makes a difference it has a really good impact it stops us having a negative impact it can be misconstrued but so what so yes Let's take the, the, the kindness part of chivalry and gentlemanliness, keep doing that bit and work out how the rest fits into a modern world.
3: I guess my takeaway would be to be kind and then have the similar attitude to Bruce when uh, things like this happen. just kind of let go, think of the other person, what they're going through, what they might be um uh, experiences experiencing in their life um and just kind of take it easy uh not uh, you know thinking just about my own experience but others i think
0: well with that we want to thank you for um sharing each of your views and your Uh, personal experiences and experiences of others that you've brought into this wonderful discussion. Uh, Remember to join us on our last episode of the Genuine Men's Chat Show podcast and uh, Zoom Live for 2020. Share, like, and follow the Genuine Men's Chat uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Join our Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group to join other men in the discussion on these topics and more. And remember, our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet? See you next time.